the critical question in any homicide investigation is always why? Why is this person been murdered? And from why you get who? Test your microphone. No, no, no. Auditorially. (laughs) (laughs) Got a piece of paper that says I can read. (laughs) I have a paper somewhere that says I can read. (laughs) I don't know where mine is either. So No. I think they spelled my name wrong on one of them. And I just was like, fuck this. I don't even want it. (laughs) I don't want this shit. I don't even want this piece of paper. In five... Four, three. Hey, everybody. This is Daniel. Oh, and this is Daniel. <laughs> and this is Carla. And we are Hoosier Homicide, a true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. Okay, we're here. Hello. Hello. Greetings and salutations. What's up, bitches? Boris, are you eating her shoes? What is he eating? Well, gone now. <laughs> there was a little bit of dog poop on the bottom. It's just possible. doing my job. Very possible. Let me come over here and say hi to you after I just drank out of the toilet that may or may not have had urine in it. <laughs> you never know these days. Who's not flushing the toilet around the here? The kid, and sometimes me. <laughs> a lot of times you. Oh, you, don't oh, know. you only oh, flush oh, the no. toilet when you poop. Well, at least there's That's that. Polite. Yeah. You know? You know? If it's, if it's, it's yellow, the least, it mellow. It's, it's the brown, least you could do. The least you can do. Yeah. I'm the, trying to the conserve water. Hallway <laughs> smell the other if night. You were trying to conserve water. After sitting there for about 35 <laughs> minutes, I decided, you know, if she's in there and she's died, this isn't going to look good as to why I sat in here. And about the only explanation I could come up with is... She liked to go in there and hide sometimes. <laughs> but just in case, so I went up and knocked on the door. Yes, it's bad. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was. I, don't know. I had a ham sandwich. Must have been before the ham sandwich. Maybe. <laughs> well, it's not like, uh, I don't even know what, oh, whatever I texted you about. It. I was like, you I did should, tell me that yeah. you shared it. We shared those those moments with each other. <laughs> I should have just eaten a whole bucket of fried chicken. Would have been the same. <laughs> that would have been pretty good, too. Yeah. Pretty damn good. Boris, sit down somewhere. Assign <laughs> seats. He's like the only dog that refuses to get comfortable. Oh, he's coming for you. I know he is. Does he want that seat? No. <laughs> We have a uh, eighty-five pound dog that was a mountain goat in another life. Because <laughs> it's all our fault for letting him on the furniture in the first place. Furniture. I love the home videos, like in people that have security cameras inside, which is creepy to me. And the dogs like get on the couches during the day, even though they're not allowed on the furniture. And as soon as the you know one of the parents roll up to the house, they hop down off the couch. <laughs> I'm sure that's what Capone does. Yeah, they know the rules. They also know they won't be there. 
He was just drinking out of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't mind. I know. When I we have actual it. company over, I can't let this happen, but he can do whatever he wants to you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. If he wasn't cute, it would be a more of an issue. Daniel, explain what's going on. Andrew Luck. Oh, yeah. That. Decided to retire from the NFL. How far in advance from the season starting? Two weeks. Two weeks. And how did everyone find out? Twitter. What was he doing when the tweet went tweeting? He was standing on the sideline of the Colts preseason game. And everyone booed. It's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So I don't know who leaked that. Before the press conference, um, somebody that was well, mad. it was ES- I think it was it was Adam Schefter from ESPN tweeted it. Schefter or Schefner? I think it's Schefter. I don't know. Schefter. I should know this. I don't. Like the only thing I actually get alerts on my phone is ESPN. And how does that make us feel? I don't know. It's a mixed I don't bag. Talk about it. He it's want, a mixed that's bag. Not good. You know, but it's one of those things. It's like I understand. I'm just disappointed. One of those. I'm Fair. not mad. I'm disappointed. Okay, Dad. Um, <laughs> considering why he's deciding to retire, if he had said, It's my ankle and calf, they're all fucked up. I don't think it's ever going to be able to withstand me playing quarterback again at a high level. Okay, well, that fucking sucks, but, you know, but sorry you and mean- thanks for all the good memories and da 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 da. But- and you also made the point that his injuries here of late aren't necessarily football related injuries. Well, he's had he had a shoulder, a surgically repaired shoulder that he went snowboarding afterwards and injured it. Of course. Okay, so yeah, injuries from non-football related snowboarding accidents. Well, I don't, you oh, know. But he's had he had a lacerated kidney from football. He had yeah, broken like ribs. He had he had a, a messed up shoulder um you know, he did have a slew of injuries, and he did have to uh, go through a lot of rehab, and I get it. On the other hand, he got paid a lot of money just to do that. Yeah. And I guess if he just thinks, fuck it, it's not worth it, I just wish. You know, if he had if he had told him in April, yeah, I'm retiring, okay, yes, that these are, these are human beings, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, this is also a business. And, and these are business decisions. What's the so, draft day with Kevin Costner? Yes. That's a good show. Movie. He technically put his two weeks notice in. He technically just put his two weeks notice. <laughs> Carla, <laughs> shut up. Uh, so it so, stings. My thing is, we're all- It's sad. Like I saying, feel bad for him that he actually feels this way. We're all mentally exhausted, but usually it's like, I'm- exhausted i need to reevaluate things i need a leave of absence for whatever reason not fuck you i'm done not that he said fuck you but i'm deuces i'm out it's usually i need a respite here to figure out what i'm gonna do and then the colts would have to address that with whoever's gonna fill in for him until he figures out what he wants to do next but why do the whole summer training yeah because that's we've been what did you say pat mcafee was like the colts fans have been told over and over again pat mac so you know because he got booed you know that looked that looked uh you know very poor yeah. on our behalf we look like a bunch of dicks yeah so we basically pat mcafee went on espn this morning and just said that we uh 
you know, two years ago, the fans were told all summer, he's going to play. He's going to be ready to play. And then all of a sudden, after we'd gotten closer to the beginning of the season, oh, by the way, he's not going to be ready. In fact, he's not playing at all this year. He's going to have another surgery and going to start rehabbing and da-da-da-da-da. And then this year, it's the same deal. He's going to play. Cause, and then, you know, he comes back last year. He's NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And it looked like, hey, we have a chance to actually win the whole damn thing this year. Mm-hmm. And then it was kind of like two weeks before the season this, and it's like, okay. Yeah, we get told over and We have a good but... backup. Jacoby Brissett's a good backup. Will he? Can he step into the role and do as well as Andrew would have done with it? And also what I was saying, I don't want a quarterback that mentally doesn't want to be there and is lying about it or forcing himself. Because like football is like any other sport. It's like in your head a lot. It's a mental game. So if you're like, I'm fucking over this. I don't want to be here anymore. And you're forcing it. Yeah, then, we might have been way more upset in the long run. Yeah, he I mean, he might think he's doing us a favor by backing out. But uh, yeah, but I don't know. What were you saying? I felt bad. He was crying. I didn't watch well, it. He, and- he got, you know, they booed him and then, you know, he's going back and talking about it. And you could tell he was going to have a press conference today and come out and say it. And then it broke. So that ruined his press conference. That's, yeah. Unfortunately. Fuck that person that leaked that. He wanted to do a press conference. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? This is the stuff that now we'll get a bunch of bad reviews that we sat here and talked about I don't about have football. to leave all this in. <laughs> I can narrow it down. I have to pee so you okay. can keep talking. Oh, oh, I just got, what the hell is that? Oh, you're going to eat that during all this? <laughs> I can do it. It'll be for comedic relief. <laughs> I am also here to wish Sheila a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to that Sheila. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she never so gets what, that. What's the Sheila's name? Sheila. <laughs> no, no. What's her name? No, no, no. What is Sheila's name? She talks to me on Twitter all the time, and she's very funny. She sounds lovely. Happy twenty-first ha- birthday! Twenty-first, perpetually or twenty-first. Get drunk, <laughs> fall down. Happy birthday! Is it still rude in the twenty-first century to ask a woman her age? I don't know. I don't know either. Well, it was on Dairy Girls. She goes, "It's in my thirty-fourth birthday." She goes, "You've had a lot of thirty-fourth birthdays." <laughs> Someone at work asked me. He goes, "You're thirty, right?" See, I didn't like that. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you go, I was like, "No, no." Do I look thirty? See that? Don't, I don't look thirty. Don't approach it like that. Is my mm. um. You're old, opinion. right? You're thirty, right? No. Okay. How old no. Are you? To 26 for another month or two. Yeah. We getting ready for spooky season. I can't wait, but I'm also scared. <laughs> About what season? Spooky season. Spooky season. Oh. There's going to be pumpkin patches, Halloween costumes, scary movies, pumpkin spice lattes. Ugg boots. Uh, no. We no. just talked about that. We yeah. don't own Ugg boots. No one well, owns Ugg boots. I got some bad news. <clears throat> I have to miss Halloween. Where the fuck are you going? I have to work. You tell it to the kid. I'm not going to tell her. You can break it to her. What day is Halloween? I don't even know. Thursday. <clears throat> are you having a spooky sale? <laughs> spooky sale. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, oh, proceed. Eric and Ann Miller married in early 1990s after a college romance. They had a baby girl and successful careers. Eric was a promising pediatric AIDS researcher. So oh a good person, a good person. 
and Anne worked as a chemist, but the life they shared ended tragically in 2000. This came from 48 Hours and another source that I don't want to tell the name of because it'll give the storyline away. So remind me to give the other source at the end. Okay. We always give our sources. Every time. I've never copied anything. We learned from a young age that plagiarism is honestly worse than death. They'll kick you out of college. Yeah. And they won't even blink. Mm -mm. They'd re it's right up there with using too much ink at the printer in the library. Mm -hmm. It's right mm -hmm. up there. Yes. Oh, was expelled. Oh, was expelled. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up in rural Indiana, Eric was the picture image of the all-American boy, good-looking, hardworking, and athletic. Eric truly blossomed when he went to college and got involved in biology, chemistry, and research, and he found that's what he wanted to do with his life. He also fell in love. Eric met Ann Breyer at... Hooters. <laughs> They're in college, but... At Steak and Shake. It's a college. <laughs> the University oh, of Steak and Shake? Oh, I need to pick the name of the college? The University of Steak and Shake. <laughs> no. And I would attend. Hamburger, Hamburger University. <laughs> That's what you have to attend if you uh, buy a McDonald's. I would say Indiana's University. The Indiana University. Purdue. Yes. Ah, how oh, can he study biology well, I there? I never would have. Oh, wait. You, Purdue I, I guess research. I, sh I guess I should have been paying more attention to what. You topic. said biology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> doctors you go say, to IU. But yeah. Dog doctors go to Purdue. Purdue. If you want your dog or your cow checked out, your doctor went to Purdue. If you want yourself checked out, your doctor went to IU. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say, I know a lot more people. Everyone I know that went to Purdue. Mm hmm more or less, has a pretty goddamn good job. Yep, that is true. I had not, I had they put someone to do with on the it. moon, goddammit. Goddammit, uh, they'll always say that too. Yeah, I know. We put someone on the moon. Yeah. My brother always goes, uh, bullshit, the United States Air Force put him on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Purdue. He technically was NASA, but his training is a... I got into Purdue. I did too. Got my only school I got a scholarship I hope our to. daughter goes. To Purdue? Yes, I mean you got to think you're going to Purdue. There's a lot of there's some nursing. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize a lot of engineers. Nursing. I use nursing school is better. Yeah, engineering. Well, how do you know it's better? Because it's more prestigious. It's harder to get into. Yeah, Daniel. I have two friends that went to it. <laughs> they <Ooh>. nurse people. <laughs> um. Yes, they went to. They met at Purdue in science classes because that's what you would take at Purdue. I don't argue with that. Mm. -mm. Anne was born in 1970 and grew up in the small town of Spring Grove, Pennsylvania, the eldest of three girls in an upper middle class family. She was also an all-American girl, smart, beautiful, and good at sports. They seemed like a perfect match. Eric was essentially uh, almost a, a perfect man. Outstanding student, uh, very good athlete. Eric excelled at everything he did. It was a pretty good fit for him. Uh, you know, she was blonde, and it just kind of looked like kind of Barbie. After graduating from Purdue in 1992, Eric and Ann moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, to pursue graduate degrees from North Carolina State University. After getting his Ph.D. in 1998, Eric gave up a high-paying big pharma job and hmm. instead got a federal grant to do pediatrics AIDS research. So he's making less money to do good things for kids. That's usually how it works. Yeah. In January of 2000, Anne gave birth to their daughter, Claire. Living on a researcher's salary meant the Miller family often went without the finer things in life, and Anne liked the finer things. They always do. <laughs> Eric wasn't making a whole lot of money as a research fellow. Lieutenant Chris Morgan of the Raleigh Police Department said, 
Because of Anne's need to have some nicer material things in life, a nicer house, nicer cars, a boat, things like that, she went to work, which is fine. If you want nice shit, you can go to work too. Women in the workplace, damn it. I feel that. She abandoned her PhD studies and got a well-paying job as a research assistant for the Glasgow Smith Klein. Mm-mm. <laughs> that might Mm-mm. be right. Glasgow Smith Klein. <laughs> A large British pharmaceutical company with a research facility in the area. So she got a big pharma job instead. Okay. You do you, honey boo-boo child. <laughs> with her new salary, Anne splurged on... Crystal. Someone's looking at me. Oh, titties! <laughs> oh. <laughs> a boob job. All right. You know, boob jobs hold a lot of weight in relationships, ha. I feel like. They hold some power. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but if you are engaged to someone and you give them money for a boob job and they do not marry you, you cannot sue to get your tit money back. Really? Mm-mm. It's considered a gift. Just I'll so we're clear. That's that why mind. anyone I've ever paid for their boob job, they signed a contract that this was I was making an investment. Well, I haven't as signed you should anything. have. Huh? I haven't signed anything. That's because I think her boobs are perfect. That's, oh, that's that is nice. so sweet. That's so <laughs> nice of you to say that. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> She had some cosmetic surgery on her chest, and she also had lots of other kind of beauty treatments. Forensic psychologist Dr. Michael Teague. Her outer appearance was very important to her, how she dressed, her makeup, her hair, everything down to her fingernails and toenails. So, nothing wrong with that. She was pretty, and she liked to look pretty and, you know, have big tits. I'm not sure what size she got put in. I'm just saying there's nothing wrong with any of that. And this is, I wonder if this is after having a kid. I can't blame anyone that wants to get their tits lifted up after having kids. Or before. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay? If I had fuck you money, maybe I'd get that done too. Yeah, fuck you. Fuck you. It's one feel up to a lifetime of happiness. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay. Minutes after Eric Miller's heart stopped, his parents, Varys and Doris, arrived at the hospital. None of what happened that evening made any sense. Eric, who was sick with flu-like symptoms for weeks, seemed to be... On the mend, recovering, six months earlier, their son was the perfect specimen of health. Eric Miller died at the age of 30. Shit. At the funeral, his beloved wife, Anne, was grief-stricken. Doctors had no easy answer. Two weeks earlier, Anne had rushed Eric to the hospital after he came home from a night out bowling and was violently ill. Eric's symptoms looked a lot like a very bad flu, which I can relate to that. When he got better, he was released from the hospital But just a week later, Eric was deathly ill again. To everyone's shock, blood tests revealed he had been poisoned with... Arsenic. Yes. (laughs) That's the first time that's ever worked. (laughs) I was going to say, she put visine in his water. Ooh, yeah. Just to give give you the shits, though, doesn't it? Oh, no. It makes you violently ill. Well, don't they do that in uh, Wedding Crashers? Yeah. Yeah. It's a low blow. Yeah, I don't think it gives you just the shits. I think it comes out... It might come out both ends. Oh, God. Raleigh police immediately launched an investigation. Detective Deborah Regenton, that's what I'm going with, Regenton, was sent to search the Miller home. We need to get samples of everything in the house to find where the arsenic came from. Is there arsenic just in your shit lying around, though? Every shampoo, conditioner, soap, any fluid, everything out of the refrigerator, a sample was taken. One of my first thoughts was he's working in a lab. Maybe something was dripping down. Maybe he had a roast beef sandwich that somehow got exposed to arsenic by mistake. If I had a dollar for every time 
My roast beef sandwich was exposed to arsenic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gross. Ew. Um, I used to work at Arby's, so I wouldn't I wouldn't trust anything you eat there. That's uh, part of the appeal. Yeah, it's, I don't trust this, and I'm eating it. I anyways. worked with somebody that they called it. Their dad calls it a, a horse a horse cock sandwich <laughs> <laughs> because it's sliced up. You don't know what it is. That's true. No, you wouldn't know. <clears throat> but this was no mistake, according to medical examiner Doctor Tom Clark. A nice, simple name. Thank you, Dr. Clark. The levels in Eric Miller were high enough that accidental exposure is not a possibility, he says. Ruling out accidental exposure left Lieutenant Morgan with just one possibility. Murder. Murder. Muckduck. He was looking for a suspect who had access to arsenic, access to Eric, and someone who knew that arsenic poisoning often mimicked flu-like symptoms and can go undetected. Someone perhaps like a fellow Kiwiki. scientist co-worker. <clears throat> he is in a very competitive field and he was doing quite well, says Morgan. Was there some kind of professional jealousy that could have led to his death? There are more than 100 labs in the Raleigh area, known as the nation's research capital. But at Eric's lab, police couldn't find a trace of arsenic or anyone with a motive. So he doesn't even fucking work with arsenic. His roast beef sandwiches were safe. <laughs> police were hoping Anne could help them. Well, you know, I have arsenic in my lab, she said. Uh-oh. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> so she's being honest about the fact that she does come in contact with arsenic. However, Anne wasn't even with Eric when he first started feeling sick the night at the bowling alley. It was a guy's night out, and Daryl Willard, a biochemist, ordered a pitcher of beer. Daryl passes out the beer cups. Eric had, a drink, had drank half of his beer. He had commented that, hey, this beer tastes kind of funky. Something's wrong with it. Morgan explains. Daryl told him that that's just bowling alley beer, man. Uh, <laughs> like it's supposed to be. You shitty. know what, though? That I mean sounds perfectly logical to me. I would have said, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're probably right. An hour later, Eric was severely ill. My boss said we need to go out and question this Daryl Willard guy. Says Morgan. As it turned out, he was deeply infatuated, if not in love, with Ann Miller. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. Could that they wondered be a motive for murder? Lieutenant Chris Morgan wanted to talk to everyone Eric Miller came into contact with the first night he became sick at the bowling alley, especially Daryl, the man who poured Eric's beer. He's been ducking us, says Morgan. He's not returning the calls. You know, he hadn't given us an interview at all. The 37-year-old biochemist worked at the same company as Eric's wife, Anne. But beyond that, those who knew Daryl Willard best say he's an unlikely murder suspect. He was very good at his job, very respected. He was a great dad, says Yvette Willard, Daryl's wife. So he is also married. For he's a jolly good dad. <laughs> but shortly after Eric's death, police began digging into Daryl's background. Phone records between Daryl and Anne days before Eric's murder hint that they may have been in an inappropriate relationship. There was a ton of communication between the two. Multiple calls on a daily basis, says Morgan. When you look at the phone records, you're finding phone calls where Anne has called Daryl at 4.30 in the morning. What could they be doing at that time? You gotta ask yourself, who calls an acquaintance or a co-worker at 4.30 in the morning? I don't know. I've called Haley pretty late before. <laughs> yeah. Is that pretty late or pretty early? Ooh. <laughs> also, just days before the bowling alley incident, Anne and Daryl took a trip to Chicago together. Anne says it's a company business trip. But when the police investigated, there was no company trip. Oops. 
they checked into the Ritz-Carlton and spent a weekend up there ordering a whole lot of room service, explains Morgan. Police also retrieved email from Anne's computer. Quote, I never want to stop making you feel, Anne wrote to Daryl. I want to show you new things. I want to touch places in you that you knew not existed. End quote. Hold on, I have to get Okay. Uh, just hours after Anne sent that email, Daryl poured Eric a beer at the bowling alley. When asked if he thinks Daryl tried to kill Eric that night, Lieutenant Morgan says, no doubt in my mind. When Eric came home after bowling, Anne rushed him to the emergency room where doctors ran a battery of tests. Eric's sister, Leanne, was there when Eric began to hallucinate. So apparently he was pretty fucked up from the arsenic, but not dead. Like Ooh. hallucinating, violent, like fighting, you know, when you're... Pan- when you're panicked and hallucinating, you can be physical with people, too, because you don't know what's going on. Yeah. So I think he had to be restrained. So you're sick and hallucinating. Anne rushed Eric back to the hospital, but his condition was soon worse than ever. He started having problems with his vitals. They couldn't figure it out. He started to hallucinate, and they had to put him in physical restraints. Uh in the bed. He literally was thrashing on the table. The following evening, Eric's doctors received the results for the final test run during Eric's hospital stay a week earlier. Those results finally revealed the source of Eric's illness. The reports come back. They're saying, hey, this is arsenic. They determine, based on those test results, hey, this guy's got huge amounts of arsenic way larger amounts of arsenic than you can expect from any source other than somebody intentionally giving him arsenic in an effort to poison him. After that horrible night, Eric did begin to slowly improve and days later was discharged. While recuperating at home, his parents stayed by his side. One night, they decided to give Anne and Eric some time alone. Some friends of theirs had brought in some food, so Anne was going to serve that and they were going to have just the quiet time, Doris explains. But after Anne says she and Eric ate chicken dinner, Eric became violently ill again and went back to the hospital. Doctors poured over the test from his previous days and discovered the arsenic in Eric's blood. Lieutenant Morgan had many questions for Eric's wife, but now he says Anne was refusing to cooperate. We tried to contact Anne, and she never came in. She never called. Instead, within days of Eric's death, Anne hired attorneys, effectively cutting off police. She retained one of the most high-profile, most expensive lawyers that money can buy. Anne retained Wade Smith and Joe Cheshire, the lawyers who later successfully defended the young Duke lacrosse players accused of rape. And while Morgan thought it was suspicious, Eric's family was more forgiving. The Miller family embraced their grieving daughter-in-law. After Eric's death, Anne asked to spend Christmas with them in Indiana. That's a lovely time to be in the state. (laughs) On January 21st, 2001, a month and a half after Eric's death, the Millers came to Anne's house for Claire's first birthday. So his daughter, like, wasn't even a year old yet, which is really sad. Police wanted to confront Anne about her affair. But when Anne saw the detective, she ran upstairs and hid in a closet. Solid. Solid move. I guess if they couldn't come in. Sound judgment right there. Yep. I got mad as hell versus... I'm mad as hell. That's what I thought of. (laughs) Vera says, she has been talking to this guy numerous times on the telephone. And the one that really put a dagger in my heart, she talked to him for 24 minutes, two hours before Eric died. While Anne wept in the closet, Morgan was nine miles away in front of Daryl Willard's house. He came right to the door and I said, Daryl, I think you've been used by a woman. 
He looked up with resignation on his face and he said, yeah, and she's done a very good job of it. And then he said, I can't talk to you anymore. I need my attorney. Which you should say. That's exactly what you should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On Sunday morning, January 21st, Raleigh police detectives knocked on Daryl Willard's front door, armed with a search warrant. Daryl comes to the door and has the distinct look on his face of someone who is fully expecting to go to jail. That morning was a bright, sunshiny Sunday morning, and I felt for all the world like I was looking at a man who full well expected that the next thing that was going to happen was I was going to reach out with a pair of handcuffs and handcuff him. While an army of officers searched through Daryl Willard's house, Detective Chris Morgan took Daryl aside for questioning. Daryl insisted he had nothing to do with Eric Miller's death, but Detective Morgan suspected he was hiding something. I said, Daryl, I'll be honest with you. From the phone records, from the emails, I think you've been used by a woman. Daryl Willard looked up at me and said, yeah, she did a good job of it. Then the next thing out of his mouth was, I can't talk to you anymore. i got to call my lawyer. When cops wrapped up their search of his house several hours later, they hadn't found any arsenic. The next day, Lieutenant Charles Morgan, 24 hours after he tried to interrogate Daryl Willard about his role in Eric Miller's murder, was informed that Daryl was dead. Don't know two men did. Yvette Willard found her husband's lifeless body in the garage. Biasai was in no apologizing for leaving his family and also denying his involvement in Eric Miller's murder. Quote, I have been accused of an action for which I am not responsible, Daryl wrote. I have taken no one's life save my own. Yvette says her husband was supposed to see his lawyer that day. She says he was worried that morning after the police searched their home looking for arsenic. Stories about his affair with Anne, his romantic trip to Chicago with her just days before Eric fell ill at the bowling alley, were going to be all over the news. And on a podcast. Yvette. (laughs) (laughs) And 48 hours. I bet if he had known known the second one, you know, he'd be like, oh, shit. (laughs) Shit. Yvette already knew what the world just was finding out about her husband's affair. She says she had been suspicious for weeks. I knew he was attracted to Anne when I saw the way he talked about her versus the way he talked about everybody else at work. Before Anne, Yvette says Daryl had been depressed, trying to take stock of his life as he approached 40. We had been married for a while, she explains. The newness has worn off and we just started, you know, fighting a little more. But after he became friendly with Anne, Daryl began paying more attention to his appearance and working out. What? What? (laughs) She wanted to work out. It felt like you rehearsed that all week. I picked this topic today. On Yvette's birthday, Daryl told her he needed some time away to think things over. I knew what he was going out of town for, she says. That was the weekend in Chicago with Ann Miller. Yvette says she didn't confront her husband out of fear. So her birthday, he went to go fuck his mistress. Yeah. I was like, that's really sad. And she knew. The wife knew what was happening. And that stings even more, I feel like. But after Eric's murder, Daryl sat Yvette down. He said he didn't know if he loved me and that he had been having an affair. And I said, with Anne? And he said, yes. When asked if Daryl put arsenic in Eric Miller's beer that day, she says, I do not believe so. Yvette says she asked her husband that very question, in which he said, no, I didn't. Yvette's last conversation with her husband took place the day after the house was searched. 
Daryl thought his family would be better off without him. Yvette blames Ann Miller for his death. My husband would still be here if it wasn't for that bitch. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. I added the bitch. I added the bitch. <laughs> it says for her. But I think it need, the B word needed to be in there. The Millers, on the other hand, didn't know what to believe. Anne was feeding us information. 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 That too. Such that Daryl was obsessed with her, says Eric's sister. We did think it was possible that Daryl poisoned Eric and in the end was trying to get him out of the picture. But then the full autopsy report was released. And the Millers were flabbergasted. I think it's likely that Eric received at least one dose of arsenic in the hospital. Oops. One dose in the hospital. Oh, that said aspirin. I thought it said arsenic. Arsenic. My mistake. And very likely (laughs) the fatal dose, says medical examiner Dr. Tom Clark. Oh, my. Incredible as it sounds, Dr. Clark is almost certain that someone came into Eric's hospital room and finished him off with a final fatal dose. But that wasn't the only stunning news. Sad. I know. There's another case. I think, I don't know if it was a husband or a wife, brought a milkshake in with poison in it for their significant other that didn't die. It's like, here, have this milkshake. I got you this yummy milkshake. You dick. To the shock of investigators, Dr. Clark's team found arsenic in Eric's hair four months before he went bowling with Daryl Willard and months before police believed Daryl and Anne began having their affair. Raleigh detectives and the pathologist examined Eric Miller's toxicology report. And according to the results, whoever poisoned Eric Miller had been doing so for quite some time. Arsenic doesn't just build up in the body. It's something that had to be put in his system over a period of time. There's evidence that shows that he probably had been getting small doses of arsenic about five months before he actually died. That meant whoever poisoned Eric would have needed exclusive access to him for a long period of time. It didn't take cops long to come up with a suspect. Anne is the only one that had the constant access to to Eric to give him all these doses. She was the person that was in close proximity with access to him. Each time he got sick, and she was the person who was there that would have pointed to her being the person to give him the arsenic. So Anne's just giving him arsenic just to see what it'll do. Months before she's having an affair or before he ended up at the bowling oh. alley. Damn, bitch. Okay. I don't know why I was thinking, well, maybe he, you know, maybe it was like his thing. To take arsenic? Well, you never know. (laughs) People do have those weird addictions. Yeah. So. But it stays in your hair. We had, we had talked to somebody this week that they worked at the prison as a counselor. So what she said they do to, uh, to get fucked up now is they'll have their loved ones mail them letters with raid sprayed on it. (gasps) And they'll rip it up, and they'll r- roll it. They'll either put tobacco in it, or they'll um, they'll just smoke the paper. With a raid, like yes. ant killer or yes. bug killer. Yes. God. And it just gets them all fucked up. And they've had a couple people they had to rush to the hospital. I was gonna say, I bet that's the type of fucked up that gets a little out of hand too. Yep. You can't control the amount. Right. I didn't know that. That's crazy. That's fascinating. It used to be like under stamps and stuff. They would. Well, now they it. have to open. Now they. Oh yeah, open they open everything and smell them. And... Here, smell. Does it smell like raid? I don't know. I don't want to smell it. <laughs> Man, arsenic's not the kind of crime you can commit at a distance. Morgan explains. You have to be able to put the arsenic in the food or drink and introduce it into the body. 
In terms of possible suspects, that only left Anne. Uh-oh. Morgan believes she dosed her husband with arsenic for months. I do think that Anne was seeing just how much poison it would take to make Eric sick, sort of experimenting, he says. And then Morgan said Anne turned to Daryl. Anne reached a point where she was ready to eliminate Eric. She needs to make sure that she keeps her hands clean and has a reasonable patsy. That if something does go wrong, he can take the fall. So they weren't even together when she decided she wanted to get rid of her husband. And she was like, ah, this guy will do anything. I and say. they have a newborn daughter. Like, don't you at least want him around for the help? Like, you know, until she's older? Something? Lieutenant Chris Morgan was desperate to put Ann Miller behind bars. I was sure that Ann was directly responsible for her husband's death. He says for a period of time, police watched her around the clock. She had, in the space of about six months, she had completely reinvented her life. Morgan couldn't believe that so soon after Eric Miller's murder, Anne had packed up her life in Raleigh and took Claire 120 miles away to Wilmington, North Carolina, far from the reach of the Raleigh Police Department. She had a new man in her life, a Christian rock music- musician, Paul Kontz, K-O-N-T-Z, and she had a new job working for an interior designer. Wow. All right. Yeah. Is that what you would really normally expect from a spouse whose husband has been murdered in such a cruel way, Morgan asked. An innocent person, he believed, would have been hounding police for answers. Ann Miller should have been on a first-name basis with every detective involved in this investigation. But Ann wasn't interested in talking to anybody, and Morgan wondered what kind of person watches her husband die and doesn't look back. I think she's a psychopath, he says. She never felt any guilt. She never felt any remorse. Morgan feared for what would happen next. Would she harm her own daughter? Oh, I guess it means if you can dispose of anyone in your life. Oh, what is it? I think she, I don't know when the internet was like really accessible by 2000, wasn't it? Well, I don't know. It depends on your definition of accessible. Well, as her mm-hmm. as a scientist, is she smarter? I know it yes, was, most it likely. wasn't, oh, yeah, she definitely. knows not to Google how much arsenic, probably wasn't Google. She knows how to look up, don't search on your computer how much arsenic does it take to kill someone. Right. So... And I don't know if she checked out any books or anything, because we had the one where the wife checked out books and her fingerprints were on those books in the library. So maybe she has to experiment to figure out how much. Morgan turned to his friend, forensic psychologist Michael Teague, for help. But Teague said Anne doesn't fit the typical profile of a killer. Anne grew up in a traditional church-going family, the eldest of three girls. Her mother, a teaching assistant, and her dad, a sales executive, says she is a devoted and loving daughter. So, like, a normal... Most women who kill their husbands are not so highly educated as she is, do not come from a high-income background, Teague explains. Needing to see Anne face-to-face, Teague went undercover visiting the design shop where she worked. I didn't recognize her. She projected meekness and was just weak. She came across as so harmless, he says. I think the detective described her as, like, a chameleon-like, that I can change into look like whatever I want, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. New troubling information was coming to light about Anne every day. Emails revealed that at the same time she was having an affair with Daryl, Anne was having a romantic relationship with a man from California. Who has this much time? All while her husband, Eric, was lay dying in the hospital. And she has a newborn. Who has this much time? I could not have two boyfriends, a dying husband, and a newborn. And a job. I could not do that. There's only one way to find out. I will vouch for her on that one. (laughs) Yeah. I could not do it. Yeah. Who would take care of Boris? He'd be okay. He'd be okay. On the day Eric was transferred to the ICU, Anne chose not to spend the day with him, but at the beauty salon getting her hair done. She had to look good. I mean, it takes a long time to get, if you're getting your hair cut and colored, 
Man, that takes a while. Another time, Eric's sister Leanne says Anne left his hospital bedside to clean the house. Well, if it's dirty. At the time, she believed Anne was just overcome with stress. In retrospect, they believed she was covering her tracks and getting rid of evidence. And that's not the only evidence she destroyed. After Eric's death and against his family's wishes, Anne insisted that her husband be cremated. Yep, that's right, folks. Your spouse gets to decide. But Anne begged for Eric's ashes to be interred at a Catholic church in Raleigh so she and Claire would be able to visit every Sunday. But just weeks later, Anne would move far away from Raleigh. I would have thought she would have had to have met, I don't know, I guess, I don't know. And I'm sure every state's different. Mm -hmm. So she left his ashes behind also. We thought we were going to be getting a call at any minute saying, pick Ann Miller up, arrest her. District Attorney Colin Willoughby wanted hard evidence, especially if he was going to square off Anne's high-profile defense attorneys. Morgan had no one who could place the arsenic in Ann Miller's hands. It was 2002. More than a year had passed since Eric Miller was murdered. Frustrated, Morgan reread the case file again and again. And then late one night, while looking at the file for what felt like the hundredth time, he saw it plain as day. The key to solving Eric Miller's murder. Lieutenant Morgan Chris couldn't believe that he hadn't noticed it before. In the case file was a transcript from a police interview with Yvette Willard. She told investigators that days before her husband, Daryl, committed suicide, his attorney, Rick Gammon, warned him that he could be charged with attempted murder in the Eric Miller case. It's got to be that Daryl had told Rick Gammer something, states Morgan. I said, Rick, let me ask you this. When are you going to tell us what Daryl Willard told you? So we're asking him to break his code of ethics. Attorney-client privilege. Okay. The attorney's response was, Chris? Did you know there was going to be a quiz? Because I didn't. I didn't. (laughs) I was thinking, what does it... Bueller. Bueller. The attorney's response was, Chris, you know I can't do that unless I was ordered to do so by a judge. So this attorney has ethics. He's not... Just because his client is now dead doesn't mean he's going to tell the police what his... At one point, client told him in confidence. Getting Gammon to break attorney-client privilege was Morgan's only hope. The privilege between lawyers and their clients and priests and their parishioners are probably the two most sacred privileges. Yes. And those are probably the the most difficult to go after, explains D.A. Willoughby. Despite the pressure, Gammon refused to break his silence. Because you couldn't, yeah, because how do you get clients if they find out later, like, well, if I die, you're going to tell the whole world my secrets. Right, right. Yeah, so he can't. When you tell your lawyer something, um, you have the assurance that it's confidential and um, that it will not be shared. Undeterred, investigators filed numerous motions with the Wake County and the state court systems in an attempt to get the information. But Gammon appealed the requests at every level. There was a long, protracted battle to, to keep this information private. I had been told that attorney-client privilege was sacrosanct in North Carolina, and it could never be breached. Over two years passed while the case was tied up in litigation. Finally, in May 2004, the case went before the North Carolina Supreme Court. The court ruled that Rick Gammon, the attorney for Anne's lover, Daryl Willard, had to reveal the contents of his conversation with his now-deceased client. The ruling was that it did not damage, injure, or do away with attorney-client privilege. It was a very narrowly defined case, but it gave us what we needed. 
Three years after Eric's murder, Anne wed her musician boyfriend, Paul Kantz. Then in spring of 2004, the North Carolina Supreme Court made a startling decision, ruling that defense attorney Gammon must reveal what Daryl Willard told him about Ann Miller's role in Eric's murder. He told me that he met Ann one day in a parking lot. Ann was crying and that she admitted to him that while Eric was in the hospital, she took a syringe that contained a substance and injected it into his IV, Gammon explains. Daryl asked her, why did you do this? And she just said, I just, I don't know why I did it. The fuck? The DA could now put the arsenic that killed Eric Miller in Ann's hands. As for Daryl Willard, the judge revealed that Daryl told his attorney that he never tried to kill Eric. That was vindication for Daryl's widow. Ann was ordered to surrender and was charged with Eric's murder. The district attorney was worried, though, about Gammon's statements being used at trial. Even if a judge allowed it into evidence, any conviction would be subject to appeal. What's more, the DA thought Anne might charm a jury. Oh, yeah, just one dude on the jury? Yep. That's all it takes is one. Prosecutors spent the next six months preparing their case for the grand jury. On September 27, 2004, the grand jury indicted Anne miller Conts for the murder of Eric Miller. That same day, Anne returned to Raleigh and turned herself in at police headquarters. Carted off to the Wake County Jail, her bond was set at $3 million. With Anne behind bars, police and the district attorney's office began building their case for trial. They knew they had an uphill fight. While strong, all their evidence against Anne was circumstantial. And if their investigation had proved anything... It was that Anne was a master manipulator. She was a chameleon. She could appear seductive one minute, and she would look like a Puritan the next minute. And it it scared me. It really scared me. Going into a room with 12 good citizens of Wake County who are still human, it scared the hell out of me. The DA wasn't willing to gamble, and neither were the Millers. A plea was offered, 25 years in prison for Eric's murder, and Anne took the deal. So in 2005, five years after their son's murder, the Millers finally hear their daughter-in-law accept guilt. Damn. I don't believe that you, Anne, truly love your daughter, Leanne said in court. How could you when you have taken away one of the most precious gifts that she will ever have, her father? I will never understand, Anne, why you just didn't divorce him. Why do people think they need to kill their spouse? I think with this one... Was she just bored? One of their theories on this was she didn't divorce him because that means you have to admit that you're wrong. And she's type A. And then you have to admit to all your friends, like, you know, and everyone's going to gossip, like, so-and-so, you know, their marriage didn't make it, that she's going through a messy divorce, blah, blah, blah. And instead, your husband dies. I mean, that's just a bunch of sympathy. And if he had any life insurance, they never mentioned that. So I don't know. Hmm. So it just looks better for you, and she's an appearance person. It look makes me look like a the saint if my husband is murdered and and leaves behind my infant daughter and I. It's why I don't eat your cooking. <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> With Ann Miller's sentencing, Chris Morgan retired from the police force. The main question I'd like to ask her is, why did you think you'd be able to get away with this? There was no true admission of her guilt. There was no regret. There still is no regret. The only thing she regrets is that she got caught. Evil doesn't always appear with horns and a tail. Sometimes it can be an obscure, well-educated, well-spoken, 
suburbanite housewife who appears on the outside to be all sunshine and roses and dark-hearted as they come on the inside. To this day, Morgan feels little satisfaction. I'm not happy about any of this. My job was to get justice for Eric Miller. Justice has been done. A judge ruled Ann Miller cannot see her daughter, Claire. Claire lives with Ann's sister. Eric's family shares custody. Ann Miller-Kantz is serving out her sentence at the Noose Correctional Institute in Goldsboro and is scheduled to be released in 2029 when she will be 59 years old. That ain't that bad. Mm Mm-mm. I don't know if she had any other kids with the other musician guy, but I read something. She must have had a magical vagina. Yeah. They do. I mean, she is pretty. Beer-flavored nipples. Beer-flavored nipples. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. That's like, it just makes me mad because you've got a really smart person research to help children that have AIDS, which means I'm most likely a good person, and I'm going to take that person out of the world just makes my daughter's life even more difficult. Yeah, what the hell? It's like, yeah, a nice, smart person the world needs not anymore because I'm a cunt. (laughs) Is what it said on her tombstone. Yep. That's what it said. Oh, she didn't (laughs) die yet. When she dies, that's what it'll be on her tombstone. (laughs) They pre-ordered it. They pre-ordered it. She goes missing from prison. You're going to be blind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, she still looks all... You know, I think they're, the daughter was petitioning to see her, but that she was still really young. I think it was saying she was seven years old. And, you know, it had to be his family agreed. Yeah, yeah, his family agreed, and it had to be her family agreed. And they wanted a, an independent psychological assessment done to decide if she should be able to go see her mom. And so I don't really know if she ever, I mean, if she was born in 2000, she'd be 19 now. So she's an adult. She, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to look her up now. But let's bother her. I'm just kidding. <laughs> she could. I'm sure she's gone to see her mom unless she can't stand her. I mean, she did fucking kill your dad, but you never know what they're saying. Remember, the bitch that blew up the neighborhood was telling her daughter over and over again, I didn't do this. I'm innocent, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, but you did do this. So you're just lying to your daughter and, and making it harder her. for everyone. Yeah, it's fucking her up more. So I th- and obviously she finally moved away, but I think she still talked to her mom a lot. And I'm not saying kids of incarcerated parents shouldn't be allowed to see or talk to them. I think that was part of the plea agreement, that she not be allowed to have contact with her daughter. (sighs) And now she's in prison, smoking a bunch of fucking raid, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Getting fucked up on that ant killer. That is weird. That is so weird. And like, just do less, you know? Just just don't get fucked up in prison. But she had two boyfriends and a nice job and a new daughter. And it's like, I can't. That's not enough for me. No. I would really. I don't think she ever made a statement like, oh, he beat me. You know, I don't even think she even said any of that. This bitch was just bored, I think. You know, sociopaths do get bored. And it's like, I got to spice things up because they can't feel real emotion. So I got to like stir the pot and make things interesting. I think that's all I got. I thought you were looking at me, like insinuating <laughs> yeah. something. I'm no, like, what? <laughs> what? 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 You have been out. working out here lately. Yeah, I what the been. hell? A new interest in your appearance. That's right. I wouldn't say that you're talking to anyone at work that's put you in a better mood, though. <laughs> <say that>. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's for sure. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Yep. 
Don't write poetry in emails. It makes me nauseous. I only do that to my girlfriend. <laughs> I hate it. I'm the Bachelor in Paradise. That dude started reading her poetry, and she's like, "Oh God, just we gotta. Me. I gotta bounce. Like, I gotta no. bounce. This is not right. It's not okay. Yeah. Noticeably cooler That's tomorrow. Nice spooky season. Spooky season. I don't want it to be cold. I like being hot. What is that? I meant to. I'll send make it. you hot. No. And if that doesn't work, then that I guess I got to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I got all my other girlfriends online. I do. I've been working out for them so I can take dick pics. Oh, I went too far. Sorry. This That's one. right. Because, you know, it doesn't look good when it's resting on top, when your gut's like resting on top oh, of your dick. The, oh. Or you try to do picture up and it's like propping up your gut. I've never seen. Well, XR, I, so I'm then glad I don't know what Small you're creatures, about. mice can come and hide under it in a rainstorm. <laughs> What the, the fuck? fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? No, this said, did I send you this tweet? It said, fuck, I'm so excited to be cold and sad in a couple months. Being hot and sad is just not it. Nope, not for me. <laughs> I'd much rather be hot and sad. No, I'd much rather be cold and sad. No. I think I'm kind of a cold weather person. Is that weird? No. You must have plenty of vitamin D. The sunlight. Maybe that's your problem. You're not getting enough D. Oh, She's right. not getting enough, enough D, D, baby. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> that's not it that's not it the sun i can't wait mm, spooky we've season. already we've already got a pumpkin dad grew it and was gave it to our daughter we're gonna we're gonna carve pumpkins again this year because ours were pretty so badass good. last year yeah. yeah we gotta figure out what we're gonna carve she'll make you do jack and sally because she fine. keeps repeating the same stuff she knew that we painted pumpkins to look like jack and sally last year did you get the stencil Last year, yeah. Did you? Uh, I don't. I feel like I just we just printed off a picture and I yeah, just kind of like did the hole punch thing, yeah. kind of to give you an outline. I think I did the oogie boogie, right? Mm, it was really good. And we did Jack's easier. We did that. Yeah, we'll come up with something. She wanted me to go find her Halloween costume the other day. I was like, listen, it's still August. I'm My mother asked today what she was going to be for Halloween. She keeps saying Sally again. It's got to be something different. I know. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to tell her that. You can dress her up as Jack. No, because then she'll be like, you were Jack. Tell her she can go as a different character from the show. Get her that blow up Oogie Boogie costume. <laughs> she still has to sleep with Jack, Sally, and Oogie Boogie every night. She's a weird kid. She's a very weird kid. <laughs> you should see. It. Says the weirdos sitting mm -hmm. around in their living room recording themselves talk. Listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing weird about this. It's totally acceptable. Podcasts are the tramp stamp of this era. Everyone's got one. Hell yeah. Hell? That's right. Yeah. You think we're not going to jump on that? Yep. I mean, one of us here has a tramp stamp. It's I'm not, not me. Say who. I'm not going to say who has one. It's not me, though. But, mm, it's not Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but only one of you has a boyfriend. I do not or significant have. other. I'm I was just saying, no, no, neither one of us do. No <laughs> I was like, is that all you are to me now? If you think, <laughs> you think I wouldn't go get one. The, the, the tramp stamp is what it is, is it's a target to aim uh, for. That's not in the right spot, but no. okay. <laughs> uh, when you pull out, it is. Uh, <laughs> it didn't go there. It went there. This is awful. Sheila, I'm so I sorry. I made your tattoo look funny. Happy birthday, Sheila. Someday, someday... Our daughter's going to go through and listen to these. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be like, she's going to go, can I listen to your podcast? Be like, when you go to college. On your yeah. way to college. On your way to college, you can listen to it. <laughs> On your way to Until Purdue. Until then. 
It's going to be a, a no from me, dog. It's a no. going to be a no from me, dog. We have to. Okay. Maybe we should record a clean episode entirely. Why would we do that? Just so I can play it in the car for her. No, I don't. She don't know. No, she knows. No, you guys no. come on sometimes. Like, I've let her listen to our promo because that is us talking, but we don't. It's not inappropriate, I guess. Record a clean Patreon. Yeah. Which we are recording in Patreon tonight. Huh? Huh? You told me it was. You told huh? me it was horizontal poker night. No, I did not. A horizontal poker. No, I did I'm not. Not okay. We were gonna play. We were gonna play hide Herman the one-eyed German. <laughs> it's happening. What is going on? Okay, tell them where to find us, please. Uh, you can find us on all of those. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, the you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Who's Your Homicide and on all the podcasting. You will not find me on here for the next two weeks oh it's two weeks yeah we gotta figure out what we're doing if we're taking a week off i'll put something on it i gotta <laughs> figure out some, i'm behind i gotta get some. boris is gonna fill in oh yeah he'd be excellent so yeah carla is going to ireland with my dear mother yep and mm-hmm. if for whatever reason you should disappear or vanish on your trip we i at least am still going to disney world we're We've dump. already gone over this. You're like, if the plane goes down, I'm still packing my bags. <laughs> what I'll do is we'll have you cremated. Yeah. And we can't we know we can't dump you at Disney, that they, they would frown you. upon that. But what they can't stop us from is flushing you down the toilet in the hotel room. <laughs> no, you're and, right. And we'll take the insurance. That's not Somebody's what I getting want. some form of life insurance money. Look, we'll okay. upgrade to a nicer hotel. We'll flush you at the Grand Floridian. Yeah, that would Sign be so nice. so nice. I do have a life insurance policy taken out. You awesome. Do? How much do I get? Well, it's enough to cover my house and something else. Probably so it's not a whole lot. We'll let her house go into foreclosure because who cares? You could technically still rent it out. Yeah, and get some money. Get some oh, okay. Money. Well, then we'll take that money, and then we'll upgrade our room. Or, we have this all planned out. Or more out. people could just donate to our Patreon. That's another way. Then, <laughs> then no one has to die. If we're not plan. We're not planning a murder. We're planning an unfortunate accident. If a plane goes down, I can't wait to be thinking I about this have. as I'm two thousand feet up in the air. She made Why me watch Final Destination. Destination. I-, I said two thousand. That's not two thousand feet. Oh, okay. that's not, <laughs> that's not enough. Is There's going to be a lot of frightened people. Twenty thousand. <laughs> She made me watch that's, Final Destination. That's closer. Keep yeah, going. She terrible. made me watch Final Destination before we got on a plane. That's your own She fault. also made you watch Silence of the Lambs before we got married. That's your yeah, own then fault. she left me downstairs and I felt, well, I was creeped out a little bit. Yeah. And then she, you went upstairs and danced in front of your mirror with your wiener tucked. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. No, that was me. That was you, yes. <laughs> we were... In Washington D.C., and it was it came on the TV, and we were uh, flying out the next day. Wait, wait, wait! If it came on the TV, how am I responsible? You were like, "Let's watch this movie. It's, not like it's I excellent." That shit. No, There's you no were like, Netflix. "Let's watch this excellent it. movie." No, and I'm like, "What's it about?" And you're like, "You'll see." At any point, you could walk away from the TV. It wasn't no, gonna, I couldn't. We're in a hotel room. I wasn't gonna follow you. We were <laughs> in the bathroom all night. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Aren't you fine? Did you turn out okay? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think you've caused some permanent damage. <laughs> if it's from, if there's a permanent damage cause, it's not from that. No. <laughs> I'm talking about the years of abuse. You know, there, that. That, <laughs> I'm sure that diagnosis is somewhere, but for right now, it's not in this room. 
So, for honest to goodness, stay out of the, the corn, corn, you freaking bitch. Bitch, bitch, bitch. Tell me, get the Parvo vaccine. Get the Parvo vaccine. Oh, <laughs> your, te- <laughs> your puppies will die if you don't. Let him lick your retainer. No. He wants to. No. Carla, 100% just touched Mighty Mouse. <laughs> I did. It was an accident. They oh, hello, Carla. <laughs> it's an accident. I hope he farts. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. Yes, he would. He would. Yes, he would. Who's your good boy? Who's your good boy? Who's your good dog? <laughs> He goes. He he was also a parrot in another <laughs> life. He's sitting on your boob. I know. I know. I know. He said, "You said I never wanted to get comfortable. Well, I got comfortable." Oh man! Recording he... live, of course, but all oh, right. Okay, there you go. Oh, He's gonna... oh okay. Don't he goes. You can off. scoot over. There's enough room. You're right. Wow. He goes. You smell nice. You sure, you sure are a pretty mouth. I have, there's a slight smell of of equestrian on you. Equestrian? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go near a horse since that day. Is he licking your butt? No. Some people are into that. He's licking his paws, which is a little concerning. Okay. Oh, no. Because oh, he never does. Uh, he had a chew bone, and I bet there's a residue on his paws. Residue? <laughs> Is that kind of like when you scrape the bowl for resin and you smoke it? I've never heard of that. Um, <laughs> I saw I it. I saw it in a movie. Catholic yeah, school yeah, girl. Yeah. I would not know any of that lingo. Okay, that argument's not, not really doesn't really hold. Even up. though I did go to college, I lived like I did. Even though you didn't go to college, correct. Speaking of college, Yellow. there we go. That's the connection. Yay! Yay! Your mom goes to college. Your mom, <laughs> mom did go to college. <laughs> okay. Boris, we got it. It's okay. Boris, come here. It's Tell me fine. how it is. Uh, <laughs> it's rough. It's rough. Come here. What's wrong with you? You were doing such a good job. What's go, wrong with you? Go come back here. Down. No. no. Come here. He's not easily persuaded. No, he's not. <laughs> no, stop. Boris, come here. What? <laughs> Okay, let me shove these curtains out of the way. <laughs> Mother. Out there. Mother, may I bite the blinds? <laughs> may I bite the blinds? <laughs> Mother, may I eat the hummingbird, please? <laughs> how? He knows how to feed himself. <laughs> we taught him to flush the toilet. Okay. <laughs> and on he the- can do a lot of things you need posable thumbs for that dogs normally could. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. can open pickle jars. Yep. Mighty Mouse comes up and acts as one of the thumbs. Ew. That's how he opens doors. That's how he can open doors. Great. I got her (laughs) flat pickles, so I'm not in trouble anymore. Yes. Right? What'd you do? Mom bought her, like, 
smack them pickles where they're like you hold them by they're like pickle shaped pickles and you just bite into Bitch, them what <laughs> smack them so i don't fucking know they're just a, pickles in a jar but you would hold them like this and just bite yeah. into it and they're little snack size ones she's like the fuck is this she goes where are my flat pickles so she wants sliced <laughs> pickles and i was like nina got you those ones she goes where are my flat ones <laughs> like, so, you know this is how they start you know that right <laughs> Gourmet flat pickles. She was eating them the dill pickles too. Like gross. Like you're such a weird kid. Oh, don't do that! Don't scare me, Doki. Don't scare me, Doki. Oh, see now. Oh, come here, boys. Come see daddy. He's like, why would you do that to me? Come see daddy. Bring mine and mouse in. Fuck, dude. Come here. Boy. Oh, kisses. Oh, see. He's just a daddy special fella. Feller. I put him on Instagram, him howling at the 11 a.m. alarm on Fridays. <laughs> He's letting it loose. The sirens are working! You did it again? You can edit all of this out. Stop. Me- Don't touch me there. That is my nonno square. <laughs> finally thought of an annoying song. <laughs> Took a week. Yeah. 